0: On Friday, December 2nd, 2005, in Syracuse, New York, 19-year-old Larry Stackhouse Jr. had left home with a friend to attend a basketball game at Christian Brothers Academy. Larry spent what we now know is his last moments on record at the game. What happened after that is a mystery. A best-kept mystery now proven to be a secret that sweeps the city of Syracuse. Just moments before, Larry was getting dressed and preparing for the game. His father, Larry Sr., recounts his last conversation with his son telling him to not stay out all night. Well, it's been 18 years and he hasn't come back home. With rumors circulating the city, private land that has a possible connection to Larry and his disappearance, and those that he once called friends with rather questionable behavior. I would describe this case as a missed opportunity. So what happened to Larry on the evening of Friday, December 2nd? Did he just walk away from it all? Was there something in his private life that may be connected? Or is there something far more sinister that only those in the inner circle know? This is the Missing Found Podcast. I'm your host, Jaden Harlow. Before we get into the case, I have a few details to share about the show. The Missing Found is an investigative true crime podcast focusing mainly on unsolved missing person cases in the Black community. The cases that I cover have either gone cold, have little to no media coverage, or have gone without conclusion. You can follow the show on Instagram at The Missing Found or on Medium at The Missing Found to read our original script. I also would like to mention that we have a case suggestion form in the show notes or description box that you can complete to submit your case suggestions that are of the Black and Missing. We have a Patreon that's now available for you to become a member in our private community to discuss cases deeper beyond our case analyses through private discussions with me, ad-free episodes, gain complimentary access to our original script, early releases, and much more that's exclusive for members only. The show is now available on all major podcast platforms, including Apple, Spotify, and iHeartRadio. For Apple Podcasts, Please be sure to give us a five-star rating to help the show reach a broader audience to help find our missing. To access all things of The Missing Found, you can visit our website, themissingfound.com. I ask that you please like, share, subscribe, and comment to share your thoughts on this case. This is Case Episode 20, The Disappearance of Larry Stackhouse Jr. Today, we're analyzing the disappearance of Larry Stackhouse Jr. Larry went missing in Syracuse, New York. A 19 year old with a promising future, a father, and a loving son going missing after a game with a friend. When I look back in my younger years, which aren't too far behind, I look at my experiences with friends. There were times when things were good and times they just weren't. When you define a friend, You think of one that involves a sense of loyalty, empathy, and the willingness to invest time and effort into the relationship. Friends can offer companionship, encouragement, and a sense of belonging, making them an important and valuable part of one's social and emotional life. Trust is an important component of friendships, providing the stability and security necessary for those relationships to thrive. Cultivating trust involves consistent communication, reliability, and a genuine commitment to understanding and supporting one another. Friends who trust each other can navigate life's challenges together, creating a bond that withstands the test of time. Somewhere on the evening of Friday, December 2nd, 2005, this level of friendship became questionable. How many people can you truly call a friend? We're going to offer a fresh look at the case details and examine what little has been publicly shared. Retrace Larry's last known steps of what has been told by those who were with him on that evening. Search efforts, and then finally break down every detail, the secrets and rumors, and close with my opinion. This case is a convoluted one, without much details, and, in my opinion, there was a missed opportunity 18 years ago. Like I always say, and as you know, people don't just disappear. In this case... There is a secret, and somewhere in between there is truth. Hopefully, we can piece this together. So who is Larry Stackhouse Jr.? Larry Darnell Stackhouse Jr. was born on Tuesday, September 2nd, 1987, to his mother Lorraine and his father Larry Sr., and they resided in Syracuse, New York. There aren't much public details about Larry's upbringing, but he seemed to have a good and balanced home life. Larry's parents say that he was a good kid, raised in church, respectable, and he hung around positive individuals. Larry had attended Corcoran High School, then later dropped out to intern to the workforce. Larry is a father. He worked at a local nursing home and was working there to provide for himself and his two-year-old daughter, and would eventually get his GED. Things were on the up and up for Larry, and he had a plan. Not long after, though. Things changed. A night out at the game changed the trajectory of his plans into something that brings 18 years of mystery and secrets. The case details. After night, immediately comes mystery. On Friday, December 2nd, 2005, there was a basketball game that evening at a local Catholic school, Christian Brothers Academy. CBA is a private Catholic college preparatory school located in the suburbs of Syracuse. Before the game, Larry was getting dressed and told his father that he would be attending the game with his male friend. Larry Sr., his father, told Larry Jr. to make sure he doesn't stay out too late and that he would see him when he gets home. Larry was said to have left home at around 6 p.m. that evening. Now, CBA is an 11 to 14-minute drive from the Stackhouse residence, depending on the route you take. The school is a minimal drive that the friends drove to arrive to the game. Keep in mind that at this hour, it's already dark, 28 degrees Fahrenheit, and windy. The friend was said to be a trusted friend that grew up with Larry. They attended elementary school together and believed to have remained friends. Both friends arrived to CBA to watch the game. We know this because Larry was said to have been seen at the game by friends of the stackhouses. Now this is where the mystery begins. To no return. Both Lorraine and Larry Sr. had gone to bed that evening, and when they woke up the next morning, they noticed that Larry wasn't home. In fact, it appeared to them that he never came home. They eventually contacted his friend, and the friend said that he dropped Larry off at a local store. This is the story they initially believed, but thought it was odd because Larry never stayed out late or just blatantly never came home. It also did not make sense that Larry would be dropped off at a store. Both Lorraine and Larry Sr. filed a missing person report with the Syracuse Police Department. They informed Syracuse PD that it was uncharacteristic for Larry to just take off. According to Lorraine and Larry Sr., as they recount in a 2003 HuffPost live interview, it took Syracuse PD 48 hours to declare Larry Stackhouse Jr. as a missing person. From here, the Stackhouse family handed out flyers, Contacted friends of Larry and found that there were some commonalities in the recollection of events, whereabouts, and possible lies. At this time, tips started coming in that raised a cause for concern. A change of story. When they spoke with the friend again who accompanied Larry to the game, he oddly changed his initial story. Instead of his original story of him dropping Larry off at a local store, He then said that Larry was actually involved in an altercation with some Native Americans that attended Corcoran High School. This tip was then given to Syracuse PD. With little to go off of, the police department was said to have not done much to investigate this lead, which left a gap of possibilities and questions. Another tip came in that was nearly groundbreaking. A student that attended Corcoran High School had told the principal that he overheard two students bragging about killing Larry and that his body was on the land belonging to the Onondaga Nation. The Onondaga Nation resides on private territory and is not a part nor founded by the United States and has no elected official to represent the nation. The people that reside on the nation are Onondagas, other Haudenosaunee citizens, and other natives. What this means is. This land is private and law enforcement cannot go onto the property without proper legal consent and protocol. As you can imagine, this created great delay and curiosity. The thing with the claim from the student that came forward with this information is that she was questioned, but was deemed incompetent by law enforcement, according to the Stackhouse family, making her claim nullified. What made her incompetent and an unreliable source is unfound. Case insert or truth? An inmate has sent a letter to Larry Sr. and said that he overheard discussions about the killing. It's not exactly clear what was in the note or what he overheard. This information was given to law enforcement as another lead. What became of this lead? There has been no public update. Law enforcement claimed to have investigated the tips that came in regarding him being on the nation's land. At the time, they did not find any evidence to say he was harmed. I have a quote from Syracuse Police Department Chief Frank Fowler. He told the Huff Post, quote, We have followed up on a number of leads that have indicated he is on the reservation. We have not ruled out that possibility, but we still don't have anything concrete. End quote. The leads that were investigated were not made public. The answer we needed. The Stack Houses had hired a private investigator. The investigator had some connects to the Onondaga Nation and received permission to search the land. Now, this search was done two years later after tirelessly searching on their own in Syracuse PD's search efforts. There was a striking discovery found on the land the private investigator found clothing that may have belonged to Larry. In fact, Larry Sr. was able to name the clothing that Larry wore that evening. Sure enough, articles of clothing found was a match to what Larry was said to have been wearing that night, according to his father. However, DNA testing was done on the clothing and there was no match. It is unclear where the clothing was found on the land, but the clothing claimed to not draw a match to Larry. Larry's parents had questioned if the test was valid because the clothing may have been in intense weather conditions since it was sitting for two years. Syracuse is known to have heavy winters and humid summers. The latter could possibly impact DNA on clothing, and they believe this could have affected the DNA results. The media letdown. Lorraine and Larry Sr. recounted how they tried early on to get local coverage, and they claimed that the local media would not cover his case until his birthday, which is September 2nd. This would have meant that they would have had to wait nine months until they report on Larry's case since he disappeared in December 2005, and Larry's next birthday was September 2006. The local media, again, according to the Stackhouse's, said that they backed out of the reporting because there were no updates on the case. They've even considered getting national news coverage, but no one will pick it up. The response from news outlets were always that missing person cases that are of African Americans do not get the same ratings and viewership as cases that are of whites. We've heard this before. After their strong efforts of trying to receive coverage, they became stuck at a standstill with garnering a broader reach to cover their son's case. I first heard about Larry's case 10 years ago on a TV One show called Find Our Missing. I've mentioned this show before, but it unfortunately is no longer on air after only two seasons. By the time I heard about his case, it had already been eight years he has been missing. The case breakdown. The one commonality. I always say, in a lie, there is always some truth somewhere in between. I believe this to be the case here. Let's analyze this a little further. So story one, the friend and the store drop off. This friend was supposedly someone who was close to Larry. He initially said that he dropped Larry off at a nearby store. Then he changed his story to Larry getting into an altercation with some Native Americans. This is interesting. I noticed a few things. The friend disassociated himself from Larry when he said that he dropped him off at a local store. This would place the friend in a position of uncertainty, disassociation, and unreliability, leaving him with no responsibility or know-all of what happened or what could have happened after that event of him being dropped off. In a sense, this story creates a washing hands effect. And yes, I, I made that term up. The friend then later said that there was an altercation between Larry and the Native Americans. What happened after that, we don't know. This could mean multiple things. We don't know if there was an argument at the game. They left, then he supposedly dropped him off at the store. Or the store was a lie, totally. We don't know what happened after the altercation, the result of it, or where it even took place. We know Larry was for sure at the game. Why? Because friends of Lorraine and Larry Sr. saw him. Another element that is not elaborated on is what his demeanor was. Did he look upset? Where was he sitting at the game? Did they stay for the full duration of the game? These pertinent details we simply do not know. At least it has not been made public. We also don't know if they made a stop before attending the game. That's not off the table either. What we don't know is what happened from Larry's home to the basketball game, what took place at the game, and what happened from the game thereafter. This is concerning to me because we don't know the friend's position in this, what he knows in his association. If he was dropped off at a store, then there surely has to be camera footage of that back in 2005. Publicly, there is no mention of camera footage regarding a drop off. With this story, I don't know what to make of it. Either the friend is protecting someone or protecting himself by lying. This lie could have been done out of fear or disassociation. I think both, in my opinion. Story 2. The Argument This story seems more viable. I have no solid reason why yet, but I feel like it is more likely. This is the first introduction into some form of feud or dispute that could have led to Larry's disappearance. What that argument was over? I think that would give us our answer to this 18-year cold case. There could be a number of things that Larry and the other party were arguing over. These were teens, assuming that the ones he got into the altercation with were also teens. The thing that stuck out to me is that Larry was not in school. He dropped out. It's not clear when he dropped out of school, whether it was a week prior or a year prior. That information we just aren't privy to. Because Larry was not in school, he was working. What could the argument have been about? This may not have been an in-school situation where they had issues in school, but something outside of school. We also don't know if this altercation was just a one-off thing, like if he stepped on someone's shoes, or if this has been a lingering thing back and forth. The way the friend describes the altercation, he makes it seem as if there were not just one or two of the people Larry had an altercation with, but multiple within the nation. Again, another fact that has not been elaborated on. These intricate details stuck out to me, and it's something to consider that can benefit the case. And lastly, story three, the student. We don't know much detail about the student at the school, who claimed to have overheard the conversation from Native Americans bragging on killing Larry. As I've mentioned, she was deemed incompetent. We don't know what led to her being incompetent. I mean, she did bring this to the principal herself. I don't know whether to believe this or not. We've all been in high school, and we know that word always gets around whether they want it to or not. For her to come forward with this information is, is quite concerning. I can't say I believe it or not. I just don't have enough details to support it. I don't know if this was a rumor that was just started about the Native Americans on the nation being involved because that's what has been the talk of the town or if they really were. What makes it interesting is that out of all of the stories that the family was told, the Native Americans are often brought up. When you look at all three stories, the clothes on the nation, you have to wonder, could there be some form of truth in between all of this? The commonality is that it goes back to the nation and this group of Native Americans. I have a quote from Larry's father. Quote, there are leads that's coming in and it's directed to the same individuals who's involved in the case since the get-go. For those who are involved in my son's disappearance, I want them to look at their kids and ask themselves if it happened to them, how would they feel? End quote. The Scarlet Letter. Early into the investigation, Larry was criminalized. Larry had two warrants for his arrest pertaining to having his music being too loud and a moving violation. These tickets were unpaid and that resulted to his warrant for his arrest. Some have alluded to him going missing because of this. Some have also stated that Larry may have been involved in drugs. There is no paper trail evidence that suggests Larry was involved in in the illegal use and dealings of drugs. Though not off the table for either, him going missing or involved in the dealings of drugs, there's just no tangible evidence I have to support that. Larry's parents stated that their son was not involved in any gang activity, drug use, possessed any firearms, or anything to suggest he was in that world. I want to also mention that Larry has never been arrested my opinion. Like I say with every case, there's always more to the story. In this case, the truth, I believe, lies somewhere in the stories. I think we need to start from the top. I don't know if Larry's friend is involved. We don't even know anything about him. Why did the friend lie? Because of this lie, it could mean one of two things. As I've already stated. He was protecting someone or he was somehow involved. Did Larry get into an altercation and the friend left and did not want to say he left and then now something happened? Sure. Could he be involved? It's a possibility. That's another thing that's not off the table either. In order to solve this case, I believe it needs to be worked backwards. And some investigation should be looked into the boy, now adult, who the female student overheard others bragging about his alleged killing. There may be no evidence to look into the boy, but I believe they can find out what may have happened by looking into the activities and the routine of the person. Though this is not definitive, it is a good start. I understand that probable cause would need to be had to initiate this, but it's just a thought. There is no hard evidence, as of yet, to claim Larry was killed or harmed. When I look at the claim on this whole thing about drugs, I've read the comments. I can't tell if the comments are by sleuths or people who have ears and eyes on the case and those involved. One thing I want you to keep in mind, the school that Larry attended to watch the game is not the same school that the Native Americans attended. They attended Corcoran, which is where Larry had once attended school, and the game was at Christian Brothers Academy. I don't know whether they were also attending the game or if the game has nothing to do with the alleged altercation, and this altercation occurred outside of the game. Whereas the friend and Larry drove to the store to get snacks, they ended up seeing the Native Americans, Larry drove away with the Native Americans for something, and the rest is a mystery. I mean, we can sit here and create scenarios all day. If this was drug-related, which there is a possibility that it could be, this would all make sense. Now, it doesn't make sense that whatever they did is right. No, that's far from what I'm saying. What I'm saying is, was this altercation over something trivial or was it an ongoing thing? Was money involved? Larry was not in school, so he would not have had no relationship with these people unless he was involved with them outside of school. And even while he was attending school, he may have had a relationship with them just from knowing them. But we don't know the basis of how they knew each other. Some believe Larry may have had a secret life that involved low-level crimes in partnership with the Native Americans. Did Larry know members of their community, or was this his first interaction with them? We just don't know. Larry's parents do not believe he was involved in drugs. Teens get involved with things, and sometimes they're doing things that we don't know they're involved in until it surfaces. Some have alluded to this being a drug deal gone bad. But there is no evidence to support that, only speculation. I want to make it clear that this statement is based on what has been shared and does not mean or insinuate that Larry was involved in anything. If we're going to discuss the case, we have to analyze all angles. Anything further, though, would be only speculation without any factual evidence due to the severe lack of coverage. When I look at this case, an opportunity was lost because of the restrictions of the land. It halted the case. Though I don't believe that this was the only thing that halted the case. Syracuse PD claimed that searches were done in the nation and they have been cooperative. With a case so cold, this case deserves fresh eyes and it needs to be worked backwards. I don't believe the answers are too far away. Until people start talking and sharing what they know, this case will sit unsolved. It's a shame that it's been nearly 20 years with no answers. Those involved will be in their 30s. I think it's time to start talking. Until then, this case will remain open, unsolved, and sadly cold. At the time of Larry's disappearance, he was 19 years old, stood at 5'10 and weighed 170 pounds. Larry is a male, African-American, has brown eyes and black hair. He has his left ear pierced. Larry was last seen wearing a long-sleeved white t-shirt with a short sleeve black t-shirt over it, blue jeans, and tan-colored Timberland boots. Larry would be 36 today in 2023. If you have any information or leads in the disappearance of Larry Stackhouse, his current whereabouts, or any information concerning Larry, it should be directed to the Syracuse Police Department at 315-442-5111. Larry also has a billboard located on South Salina Street in Syracuse to help bring attention to his case. I want to thank you for your viewership of Larry's case. His family is still awaiting answers. We know people don't just vanish. There has to be answers to this 18-year, nearly two-decade-long mystery. We know the people that hold the answers are somewhere out there. Those involved or who have information may now have families of their own. I know they're probably trying to bury this secret in the back of their brains, but they can't. It will always be there to remind them of whatever happened on December 2nd, 2005. It's time. We need answers. And we need people to start talking about this case. I do believe the answer lies somewhere on the land or somewhere in the vicinity. Hopefully, we don't have to go another decade without knowing. And my message to those involved. I pray this continues to weigh heavy on your heart. I know that you have the answers, whether you were involved or you hold information. As one who holds information, you hold the power to turn this around. You would do a tremendous service to Larry's family, especially his daughter, who would be 20 years old today. One year older than her father, Larry, on the night he didn't come home. I know it's hard. I know you may think that because this happened 18 years ago, that time will heal and allow you to move on. But it doesn't. At the end, we all have to face our shortcomings if we don't make them right while we still have breath in our bodies. I pray you find it in your heart to come forward. It's time. You can't continue on like this anymore. You deserve to free yourself and free Larry wherever he is, whatever it became of him, or whatever happened. As always, please be safe, be vigilant, and always be aware of your surroundings. May God bless and keep you all. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for, and assurance about what we do not see. Hebrew eleven one. They do know what happened his friends that he hung around with daily or weekly, those guys all know what happened to him, but they have been reluctant to come forward. We thought we knew them cuz they were, you know, we knew their parents. We knew who our kids was associating with, good people. And for his friends, and these were friends that he was around when he became when he, when he came missing. So <laughs> obviously they weren't his friends, and that's why I'm so frustrated when I see It's so frustrating when I see his friends and they don't, they act like nothing's wrong.